Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. We are closing in on winter, and I always like to pull in a guest with some wintry story, a professional skier or a mountaineer during these chilly months. Well, today's guest feels that bill nicely. Get ready to be inspired by my guest, Jen Drummond. She is a mountaineer who has conquered the world's seven second summits. Now, earlier in the show, we had on a gentleman who had done all the seven summits, and now we've got all the seven second summits. So interesting to talk about that. And she's also recently become a world record holder, but it gets even better. Her journey goes far beyond just the mountaineering. As you will see, as she tells her story, She was in a horrific car accident that brought her inches from death. And her story is a testament to resilience, to motivation, to exhilaration of achievement. And she's written a book called Quit Proof, The Seven Necessities of Becoming Resilient. And that's going to be released in January. This is a super interesting topic for us to follow up with here, because as you know, the previous five episodes were a series on emotional resilience. So this is really following it up with a story of someone who has put into real action and play some of those things and will have some insight for us. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. So, Jen, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Perfect. Well, let's start with your story as we always do. You are a Utah local in Park City. So set the scene for us. Who were you before the car accident? Yeah, you know, I was a mom to seven kids. And at this point in my life, I had hired myself out of a job. So I own an investment service company. But when I started having children, I started replacing my role so I could be home with the kids. And then the kids started to get a little bit older on me, right? So they needed me less. So all of a sudden, I had this time during the day, but I don't know what to do with it. I kept telling myself, oh, when they get to college, then I'll work on me again and I'll do things that excite me again. But I was definitely in a holding pattern, just kind of going through the motions, thinking like, this is my lot. This is what I'm dealing with, blah, 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 blah. And then the car accident happened, right? And that is a line in the sand for me, a thousand percent. What happened? What what was the car accident like? Yeah. So I was driving home from a nearby town and I encountered like a crashed into a semi truck. The trailer bumped out onto the left lane when I was trying to get into the fast lane to go around the semi. I ended up going end over end three times and then started rotating sideways in the median and was there until the ambulance came. They took me to the hospital. I was released like three hours later with no injuries that we knew of at the time, which If you saw the car, you have no clue how somebody walked away from the crash. And the police actually tried to rebuild the scenario um, a few over 50 different ways because it's an area that they've had a handful of accidents 
And they called me to tell me like, we could not build a scenario where you lived, let alone where you walked away. Like it was, it was crazy. And I remember coming home from the accident and just being so grateful for life. Like I, like within an hour of me being back home, my kids had no clue what I just went through, right? They were home doing their normal day. It was me who had the change and two of them were fighting. And normally I'd be like, stop fighting, blah, blah, blah. Get along with your sibling, da, 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 da. And then in that moment, I was like, isn't it cool that I have two children that are so passionate about whatever they're believing that they're trying to convince their sibling to believe the same thing. And like, isn't life just amazing? Like everything was amazing. Isn't it cool that we have refrigerators that keep food cold in our house? Like, you know, like all the simple little things that we take for granted. Like I was, I was like this kid in a candy store about all of life. Perspective just shifted. Yeah, total shift. And you could see things in a way you hadn't before. Yeah, right. Well, do you believe in guardian angels? I do. I do. Especially after that accident. A hundred percent. Like a lot of people are like, was it an uh, an out-of-body experience? Said actually I was in my body the entire time, but it was so fast, I was able to go slow. I remember I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that that it slows down, but it's really going fast. Did your life flash before your eyes or anything? No, like the minute I saw the passenger side collide with the semi, I was like, Am I gonna die? And I got this feeling that I wasn't gonna die. So then it was like, okay, what do I do to like have the least amount of injuries? And I remember thinking, if you roll, like I can't resist the amount of speed and everything going on with this car. So I need to relax, keep my hands on the steering wheel, keep my head against the headrest and just roll with the car. And I remember like my car's doing somersaults. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to roll. I have enough momentum. We're going to somersault again. And then we're going to go again. And then after the third time, the car started, it lost its momentum. So it started spinning sideways. And then it finally came to a stop. And a guy pulled down the windshield and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I looked at his face and I'm like, based on your face, I don't think so is what I'm saying to myself. (laughs) And I'm too afraid to look. And so I closed my eyes and I wiggled my fingers and toes. And I remember saying out loud, I can feel my fingers and toes. I can feel my fingers and toes as if saying it twice makes it more real. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, okay, you're okay. Like, I'm going to just keep talking to you. And that was my signal to myself that, hey, if I can feel my fingers and toes, I'm okay. And yeah. So with this shift of perspective, you come home and, and where does it go from there? Yeah. So I come home. The unique thing that happened is a couple weeks after my accident a girlfriend of mine was running on a trail that you and I would push a stroller down. It was wet out. She slipped, hit her head on a rock and never came home. Wow. So you have these two events that are extreme, mine more extreme and I should have died. Hers less extreme and she should be alive. And that didn't happen. And I just remember coming to the realization that I do not get to choose when I die, but Mm -hmm. I sure get to choose how I live. So I better start choosing how I live. And I think we forget that what we do each day is a choice. Well, I, I like that you bring that up because here on the show, we talk about living intentionally, right? We're, we're loving our story. We're trying to intentionally build a story that we are proud of, that, you know, we're working through the hard stuff. We're making it through, you know, the shame and the regret and, you know, all that 
messy part of life. That's all a real part of it. We're not ignoring any of that, but also taking the power of knowing that intentionally we can choose our thoughts. We can choose, you know, when we choose our thoughts, we choose our emotions because we, you know, those follow suit and so much power in that. So what you're talking about is right up our alley. But I wanted to share with you I was rock climbing and this was years ago, but I w- had just led a foot, a hundred foot climb and was at the top and my belayer let go of the rope when she was supposed to be letting me down. So I fell a hundred feet and lots of injuries, you know, punctured lungs, mm. broken ribs, mm. cracked skull, you know, lots of bad things. But I lived through something that I really should not have lived through. Right. Like who lives through that? There's people no that one. fall off ladders that are like, you know, nine feet high while they're trying to climb on the roof and they're paralyzed or they or they die. And I just fell 100 feet off um, a mountain and lived through it. So you really. Yeah. Like how much time do you have? No idea. And when stuff like that happens, it's really, I don't know, I guess I have a lot to learn still. <laughs> yeah, no, still it's there. like, yeah, right. I mean, it's like my life, it was a line in the sand for me before. I think I was so concerned about other people's thoughts or concerns or opinions. And then all of a sudden I checked that. I'm like, I'm more concerned about what my obituary says. Mm. What am I like? What am I doing? Like what? Like my life could end tomorrow. There's a lot of things I want to see, experience, become, taste, try, do whatever. Like failure didn't matter. Like more, mm. it was more about like what can I embody and try versus what is my brain telling me? Like whatever, brain, sit over on the sideline. We're trying these things. <laughs> okay, so then what did you do? <laughs> you have this shift. You get all this power and perspective, and you shake yeah. off some of that cultural awareness of have yeah. to. Yeah. So then, what'd you do? Then I'm like, okay, the 2020 was coming. So 2019 was a year of reflection. 2020, I was turning 40. I'm like, I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday. Like, that's going to be like the sig, like, I'm going to signify how important this next decade is by climbing a mountain. And I had climbed like the Jackson, I've climbed in Jackson Hole. I did the Grand Teton, but that's the extent of my climbing. And so I called some friends that were mountaineers. I'm like, okay, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what mountain would it be? And the general consensus back was a mountain called Ama de Blom. It's located in Nepal. It's the Paramount Pictures logo. It's by the Himalaya. It's the Himalayas. It means the mother's necklace. I have seven kids. I'm like, oh, this sounds perfect. I'm signing up for this mountain. I can picture it in my head. So I start training for Amo de Blom. And then the universe has different plans for all of us because COVID enters the scene. And I become a homeschool teacher to seven kids. Wow. Them, See I the know. seven the seven kids alone is like <laughs> yeah people are like why <laughs> are you into the hardest thing yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah yeah the mountains are a thousand times easier than my seven children well so then I'm training for this ama thing my son's struggling with his homework I'm like listen buddy we do hard things trying to give him the pep talk and he <laughs> looks at me and he goes if we do hard things why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest and I said ama the blom, not I'm a dumb blonde. Thank you, sweetheart. You finish your homework. We'll look at Everest. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I know. So he did. Uh, then we did finish, like, looked at Everest. He went to bed and then I thought about it. And I said, why not Everest? Like, if this is the end all be all mountain for him, if I climb it, then he'll know whatever his Everest is, he'll be able to climb it too. And so by the end of the week, I hired a coach to train me for AMA and Everest. 
And that coach sent me a book and the book was um, about becoming an uphill athlete. And in the front of it, there was a lady that did a forward that got a Guinness world record. And I remember telling my coach, I'm like, I could have done that. Like I can suffer and my kids would think I'm cool because they learned how to read in Guinness world records. And right now as the homeschool teacher, AKA mother, I am zero cool points. And I'm actually kind of sick of being (laughs) taken for granted. And so my coach was like, I'll think of something. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll think of something. I'm not growing pumpkins or speed eating hot dogs. So whatever, we'll leave it at that. And he came back a few weeks later, calls me on the phone, all excited. Jen, 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 I got the perfect record for you. I'm like forgetting the conversation we even had, but I'm like, okay, what is it? He's like, I think you should be become the first woman to climb the seven second summits. I'm like, what are the seven second summits? He's like, oh, well, listen, he goes, okay, it's been done by one male. It's hard. They're, they're the second highest point on each continent. It's harder than the first seven. Very respected amongst the mountaineering community. You'd be the first woman to do it. He goes, and think about it. Seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. Sounds like a jackpot. <laughs> You're like, sign me up. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it does. I haven't slept in a tent before, but let's figure this out. Right. Oh, so wow. I said, I talked to my kids. We looked them all up and we thought like, yeah, let's do this. So I signed up. There we go. Wow. So you did them all. I did them. I just finished this June. Took me two and a half years because some of the, you know, mountains you climb at certain times of the year. Absolutely. Some of them I had to take twice because that wasn't good weather the first time we went or some other circumstance. Oh, they're very complex. Uh, Summiting those mountains is no small thing. That's no walking. No, 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 not at all. Like um, K2 took two times, right? I'm sure it's supposed to be harder than Everest. Oh, it's way harder than Everest. I did Everest to warm up for K2. Like, really? I mean, that's, yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. You're all kinds of badass. It's crazy. Yeah. We're all, I, all kinds of badass. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some mountaineering. Well, and nothing on that level, nothing even close to that level. And every time we think about, so, you know, the South Teton, that, that yeah. was in snow. So that was crampons and axes and all yeah, the things yeah. when we did that. But every time, you know, it'd be like, you know, do you want to do anything big? And I think, no, no, not (laughs) really. Because Everest just sounds like all of the stories I've read about people climbing Everest, just hell, you know, like so cold, so hard, so dangerous. I like mountaineering, but I don't really want to take the chance of dying out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know we hear a lot about Everest and I was scared. I was like the stories that I heard. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on Everest. So I was like the best parent you could have possibly been before I left for Everest. Because I'm like, if I die, I want my kids to have the best memories ever. So we, did, <laughs> we went on like a big spring break and like they all got to skip a day of school so we could spend time together and like all this stuff. And then I got to Everest. And I mean, it's every expedition's dangerous, right? I mean, my friend yeah. died running on a trail. Okay. So yeah. let's be honest. But Everest was probably one of the easiest mountains I've climbed. Interesting. And you made it to the top. I made it to the top. Now, I do very well with altitude. So if someone struggles with altitude, that's a thing, right? And I do not struggle with altitude. So I'm very lucky like that. Did you have oxygen or without oxygen? I did oxygen because I have kids and I'm not here to do anything. You know, like that was kind of my... You're not here to die. (laughs) I'm not here to die. And I mean, if I went back to do Everest and I did it without oxygen, the big thing is it takes longer. 
right? I mean, because you have to acclimatize more because you have to be able to go up higher without oxygen. And I'm like, I have kids at home. If my kids were all gone, then maybe I'd consider doing it without oxygen because you can always put it on. Mm -hmm. But it was too big of a goal for what I had doing. And I wanted to be home with my kids. Sure. Well, and, you know, without oxygen, it becomes a a different thing altogether because you're your cognitive resources are so diminished, you know, it's, yeah, that's, a, it's that's like, a different game to train for. And what people don't understand is like what, I mean, I was on low oxygen when I did it because you want to be on lowest oxygen possible at all times, because if there is an accident, then your tank's going to last longer. And if there is an accident, they can tile your oxygen up, which will automatically calm down your nervous system because it gives like a dial difference. And so I went really low oxygen, but the biggest thing oxygen does for you is keeps you warm. It puts oxygen into your blood and lets your blood circle through. And a lot of frostbite injuries happen because of mismanagement of the oxygen. Too much? Too little? Not enough. Not enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So from these summits, what was your takeaway? I mean, how are you rolling this into resilience. I want to hear about your book and, and where this yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote a book called Quit Proof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Elite Achieve Your Life Goals. And basically what I did when I was at the mountains, I just started taking down all the stories, all the experiences and everything. And then when we were writing the book, we started kind of putting them into different categories and be like, okay, here's the lesson from these stories. Mm. And here's the takeaways that you can use at your own home that helps you in your pursuits that are mountains metaphorically, maybe not physical mountains, but metaphorical mountains. Okay. So you collected stories from all the other mountaineers that you were with. Nope. Just my own. Just, just my your own. own. Okay. So you yep. kept your own stories as you were climbing all of these and then yep. used those in the book. Yep. I used them in the book. So for example, like one of the lessons is really about how important it is in the community that you build, like the people on your team that are on the mountain with you, that are at home taking care of your family, that are making everything come together. Mountaineering is not an individual sport and neither is life. And so Mm -hmm. our team and who we surround ourselves with, the mentors that we hire, the decisions that we make, the company that we keep, that has a huge impact on what you achieve. I absolutely agree with that. And one of the, I I mentioned in the introduction, we had five episodes on emotional resilience that went through September and November? No, November. November, first part of the, anyway, the last five. (laughs) And one of those episodes specifically was about relationship building, how important those relationships are that we have around us and helping us to be resilient in life. When we feel supported, when we feel loved, when we have friends or, you know, a good friend, somewhere to turn to, that safety, that grounding, that support, that's for mental clarity and resilience, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I just talk about that and the importance of our relationships and things and what, you know, I climbed K2 with a team that we did not have success on and we had a lot of problems. Um, I lost a friend to an avalanche. I lost another friend, lost his hand to some frostbite. And, you know, I used to think like all teams were created equal. You're in an environment like that. And you're like, no, they're not. There's a different type of team that you want to be in certain environments with and just go into a lot of those stories. Another lesson that I really learned from the climb that applies to all of us is waving our flag. Like it's fun to wave your flag at the top of the mountain and be like, here I am. I summited this mountain. That's why we see all those photos. But learning to wave your flag on your entire journey, when you do that, it signifies to the world, here's where I am. Here's what I need. Here's how I can help. 
And then the universe gets to plug in and help you achieve these goals. Like I'll give you an example. Mount Kenya is the second highest point in Africa. And I was saving it for the end because it's a rock climb. Like you're in rock shoes and a harness and it's 20 pitches and da, 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 da. And I, since I wasn't a huge climber, I wanted to wait. Well, then someone had heard I was doing the second summits and they said, hey, we, you know, this is right after COVID. We have an ambulance that we want to our charity to, to deliver over in Kenya. We heard you might be going. Would you be willing to be the face of our charity to help with this, this endeavor? Yes, 100%. And so then I was talking to the lady at the charity office and how all the logistics were going to go. And she's like, hey, if you get a chance, you can bring over some period products. That'd be amazing because there's a lot of period poverty here and the women won't go to school for the week that they're on their period. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, so here I am because I'm climbing a mountain. Everybody knows what I'm doing. Now, when I go over there, I get to have this huge impact that I never even knew was possible or probable. And that's only because I was willing to wave my flag along the pursuit. And I'll tell you, I'm the kind of person that likes to say, talk about it when it's done. I don't really like to talk about it during the process. And that changed my perspective on things. We need to talk about things during the process because that's when other people get to participate and we're an interconnected species. We're supposed to participate in each other's goals and help one another out. That's beautifully said because we are so interconnected and everything we do. Well, and when you're working on this level of openness with others and, and looking for that reciprocity of just life, right? Of looking for the miracles and the serendipity and, you know, the synchronicity and all of the things for everybody moving forward positively. It's it's a it's an exciting way to live because you're you're looking for what will show up and what to take advantage of. And then at the same time, what you're saying is be open with what you're doing so that you can see how to help others and others can connect in with you. And I think that's great. Super powerful. Yeah. 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 The whole thing's been great. Right. Like I stepped into it having no idea. And then what has unfolded is like, what? Pinch me. This is my life. This is amazing. <laughs> so when did you decide to write the book? Was it before you started or after you were done? No, I was kind of in the middle. So I just gotten back from Antarctica and one of my neighbors has written books and we, I was on a walk in the neighborhood and he was walking and he's like, you need to write a book. Like there's so many lessons that you're learning and people will love to read about them. See, there I'm it like, is oh. again. There, what we were just talking about, like the right, right? connecting. Yeah. Connecting and talking. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I have a lot of downtime at the mountain, like waiting for everything to come together or the weather to cooperate in these different pieces. I'm like, yeah, I will write a book because even worst case scenario, like my kids have the stories or I'll remember the stories because we think we're going to remember more than we remember and we don't. Because oh, I can true. go back and read some of the stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this moment or this thing or that whatever. Um, so I started writing it throughout the process. Mount Logan is the one that's my last summit. And we I tried that in 2022. We did not summit. So we went back in 2023. Um, so I had like five months before that mountain was done this year. So I got a lot of it done. And then I'm like, well, we'll see what lessons I learn on this last one and we'll be able to incorporate them. And so yeah, so Mango Publishing picked up the book. It's in pre-sale right now and it's available on bookshelves January 9 of 2024. Congratulations. And it's so exciting. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm like so excited about it. These things, like it's just fun. So have you ever written before or did you have a ghostwriter or somebody help you? How, how'd you put it together? Okay. I call, so yeah, I had a ghostwriter that ghosted the writing. Um, so I would say they did heavy edits. 
So mm-hmm. I did a lot of the writing and then they helped do the editing and put pieces together and just make it flow a little bit better because I'm not a writer. I wish I was. I just haven't had time to develop that skill entirely yet. Hey, you can't do everything when you're out climbing all the world's tallest right. mountains. <laughs> right, right, right. So they like helped streamline things. They're like, you know, people don't want these details, but they want those details. And yeah. Well, yeah. wonderful. This is congratulations on your great accomplishments. And I don't even want to say what's next because sadly in our our culture, I feel like we always have to keep pushing to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. <laughs> and you I know, it's funny that you say that because I just had a conversation on another interview and they're like, what's one question you wish we asked? I said, you know, I wish you asked, what do you like best about your life right now? Mm. Because that's a question that I ask my children all the time because they keep getting asked, like, where are they applying to college or what are they doing or whatever? Like, we need to teach them how to appreciate the now. The and now. we do that by asking questions about how's now. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what do you like best about your life right now? I love my life right now. I do. I love that I'm here and experiencing the world and all the good things going on and that my kids have a half day today. So we get to hang out a little extra. So yeah, life's good. Congratulations. Truly. I, I know enough to know how difficult those accomplishments are. And at the same time, I hate to rush over them just the way that we have, because the days, the sweat, the tears, the struggle, the physical outlay to do even one of those is tremendous. And, you know, basically we've bullet pointed it, here, which is not fair, not fair at all. all. That's perfect. um, That's the funny thing though, guys, anything you are pursuing or achieving in life, it eventually becomes a bullet point. So you better enjoy the journey because Mm. that's where life is lived. It's not these little bullet points that we mark as destinations. I love that you say that too, because that's very much where I am at this point in my life. I've always, you know, sort of grabbed onto the enjoy the journey thing, but also had a very hard time with it because my life was about accomplishment. So it was, you know, going to accomplish this and the next. And that was how sort of the self-worth, my self-worth was built around that accomplishment. And just lately, I feel like the universe is really trying to get me to sit still and to find value in the being and in the now and the realization that being present and even if you're not doing something big, learning to be able to appreciate how beautiful the now is and really that that's the only time you have, you know, it's the only time you have to make a choice. It's the only time you have to do anything or not do anything to contemplate to, you know, whatever it's only in the now. And it's been a really interesting thing to try to wrap my head around. So it's a great place. So as we close up this episode, what is one thing that you want to share with us or final words, thoughts? Yeah. Um, You know, I always go back to the beginning of the episode where we talked about, I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. So today, look at your choices. What is making you feel full? What is making you feel empty? What is adding value? What is taking away from who you are and your authentic being? And have the courage to make a new choice. I feel like we should just do a whole episode just to dig deep in that because that's fabulous. (laughs) So resilience has been a strong theme this year. And it's been on my mind because I've been watching people struggle a lot with various things, a lot of the upcoming generation struggling with mental health in particular, and that ability to be resilient 
or at least to work on strengthening our resilience has been super huge and super prevalent. So I think that your book and your ideas are going to be super healthy for all of us. And you have seven of those. What are those really quick? Can you tell us the seven? Is there a take oh, them off? Give them all away. No, we're going to. Yeah, but, but people want the stories like they're much more powerful with the stories. And yeah, then yeah, tell yeah. us so, where we can get your book. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to go to my website, www.jendrummond.com. And then it has the Amazon hyperlink and you can buy it from Amazon today. And if you buy it in pre-order, you'll get a whole bunch of freebies. So consider that. Um, some of the topics that we cover are wave your flag own your awesome, build your community, the goal is not the goal, and all that kind of fun stuff. So you'll find little headlines for you that fit, and there'll be lessons that you'll be able to implement today. Awesome. And also in the show notes, I'll have those um, contacts and links for her stuff. And you can find those on loveyourstorypodcast.com. So guys, whether you are in a place that's requiring your resilient strength in this moment, or you are in a spot where things aren't as heavy, and you're just taking some steps to strengthen your resilient skills, this whole concept is an important one to pay attention to. Healthy living patterns, strengthening our emotional and mental bounce back. These are done with intention. They're done with repetition. As we work these muscles, even during the good times, understanding the concepts that she's going to be explaining in her book and the ones that were in the previous episodes, that just strengthens us. So when we come up against the hard stuff, we're ready. We're ready to do that bounce back. As we mentioned, we just finished that set of five emotional resilience episodes to support your growth in strength finding. And little by little, we will become stronger and more resilient. We stand on the summits of our challenges. Have a great week. Live with intention. And I'll see you in two weeks for our next fabulous episode. Jen, thanks for being here. Thank you. 